No Junk Mail presents Who Shot the Sheriff? Read to you by James Von Felt. Been a calm week in our town. Calm because it's warmed up. Then we had about a half an inch of rain, perfect for planting corn. After a harsh winter, the wait till the soil warms up enough to plant becomes unbearable. Everybody feels it. Once the seed's in the ground, there's another wait until the seed sprouts. Down at the barber shop in Bloomfield, Max Heck was saying it looked like a bumper crop this year. He should know. He's farmed 160 acres his dad and uncle handed him 65 years ago. Been in the family farm for years. It's a historic farm. Goes back to when Iowa became a state. Now his boy, Troy, and his son, Abe, farm the homestead and a thousand more acres south of town. The barber shop is just off the square in a small space carved out by Marvin Rowland's auto repair shop. There's a barber pole outside to announce the presence, but everybody knows it's there. Fred Meeks, the barber, has one chair in the room. And eight old hand-me-down chairs line up along the walls. The room's just barely large enough. The barber chair and Fred are in the center point. When you enter, you see a large stuffed rabbit with fake deer horns. A plaque under it claims to be a jackalope. On the other wall hangs a large picture of an American Indian in full headdress. Chicken feathers sticking out of the pictures are for emphasis. There's a long mirror on the other wall with a full shelf of Fred's barber equipment. Just below that hangs Fred's famous bright red wall phone. Needless to say, getting a haircut at Fred's is more than getting rid of shaggy hair. Though the atmosphere at first appears to be dingy, old and run down, a throwback to Man Cave, the anticipation you have when you open the door brightens with adventure, challenge, and entertainment. Some say this is the place boys come to learn how to talk like a man. It's like the gas and grill in our town, but with a unique promise. You never go away disappointed. Fred's been cutting hair for 30 years or so. He's a permanent fixture in Bloomfield and a known character. Cousin Ben says he should be a comedian for his phone routine. When conversation gets slow, the red wall phone rings. Fred quits barbering, and he has everybody's attention. Depending on the topic of the day, Fred carries on a hilarious conversation with the president. Yes, the President of the United States is calling Fred for advice, and he gives it with gusto. When Max finished his comments on farming, Riley, one of the Hilbert's boys, launched a rant about the broken immigration system. Larry and Fred immediately challenged him. No topic is off-limits at Fred's, and there's no such thing as political correctness. Also, everyone has the right to call you stupid for a half-baked idea or insensitive comment, and you have the right to rebut that comment. In a small town, in a county which has a population of 8,000, 
and at least half a million chickens, where everybody knows everybody, where they all have gone to school with each other, the discussion will become animated, informative, and entertaining. Just when Chris and Larry were yelling expletives at each other, Max raised his voice. Enough, he yells. Max, being over 90, has seniority. Everybody knows that. After two or three seconds of silence, Max, in his gravelly voice, grumbled, What I want to know is, who shot the sheriff? That stopped everything. Max had completely changed the topic. The place roared with laughter. Laughter because Max had cut off the haranguing discussion and because the topic was an old saw that everyone was familiar with, a story that had so many versions that the true story no longer had meaning. And all of a sudden, several people were competing for attention, but Max prevailed. As I heard it, he continued, it all started with an anonymous call to the sheriff's office. It was his wife, Larry shouted back instantly. Several voices commented at the same time. It was unintelligible. Whose wife, Max said loudly. The guy that was shot, his wife, Fred put forth. The sheriff was shot. The deputy did it, Riley yelled, then bent over laughing and slapped his eye. That got a laugh from everybody. I saw it in the Ottumwa paper, someone commented. That was followed by a long laugh. Where? Max interrupted. At the Ritz Park, Jeff yelled back. The Ritz Park is about half an acre right at the south edge of town. Kevin Ritz, a local boy, rose to the ranks of Major League pitcher years ago, played Major League ball for the Detroit Tigers. His reward back home was a sign and a pavilion just north of the South Fork Diner. The banter was swift, back and forth, like an Abbott and Costello routine. Bang, 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 no time between one-liners. Someone yelled, no, no, the sheriff shot. That was cut off by Riley yelling, Marty Harsh was sheriff then. He wasn't even there, told me so. Fred added, it was in the Ottumwa paper. Again, laughter followed. The local joke is that the Ottumwa courier got the facts wrong and printed the headline, Sheriff Shoots Deputy. Getz was police chief, Fred said. He got the call at the office. Sheriff Deputy Chickering was with him, another chimed in. They were at Molly's having coffee when the call come in. But who got shot, Max yelled. Chickering got shot. Hinton got shot. These statements were made at the same time. Who, Max yelled again. The words came like a blizzard and were undiscernible. Then Fred said, Deputy Chickering got shot in the hand by Getz. Riley countered immediately. No, Hinton shot Chickering. Bruce was just sitting there, taking it all in and laughing with the punchlines as they came. When things died down a bit, Fred called out to Bruce, Tell us your version. Bruce waited until there was silence, then began. This guy Hinton came to town pulling a travel trailer with his truck, parked it at the Ritz Park. 
Someone called the police office and said a fugitive was at the park. No one knows who that was. Gats and Chickering were having coffee when they got the call. They went to investigate. When they got to the park, Gats and Chickering went to the trailer with guns out and ready to shoot. When Hinton came to the door of the trailer, Gats said he pulled a gun on him. The facts are, Chickering got hit in the hand. Hinton took two slugs in the stomach. The paper said Gats' gun was empty. From here on, it's a mystery. Gats says Hinton shot first and hit Chickering. He returned the fire. Hinton said he never fired a shot. Chickering was sent to the Bloomfield Hospital emergency room right here in town. It wasn't a major deal. Wound in the hand. Hinton was sent to University of Iowa medical emergency an hour or so away. That was strange. Two shots in the stomach is major. Turns out Hinton had a warrant for his arrest in Arizona. The sheriff in Iowa City took over from there. Somehow, the autumnal paper got it wrong. But the headline, Sheriff Shoots Deputy, sells paper, you know. With Andy Griffith and Barney Fife on television, everybody knows about it. Chickering and Getz won't talk about it. Bruce finished his story and looked around. Larry and Riley already had their haircuts and were just hanging around for the fun of it. They got up to leave. The fun was over when Fred announced, Next! I got out of the barber chair and Bruce stood up to get in. That's a great story, I commented. If you think that's a good one, Fred said, you ought to hear the one about the great cat trial right here at the courthouse, but bring your cousin Ben with you. His wife Helen was on the jury. I guess I'll have to wait till Nick's haircut to hear that one. Well, that's it for now. From where the corn grows tall and pigs fly. Take care. All my love, Grandpa Jim.